0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Books Network podcast. I'm your host, Crawford Gribbon. Today, my guest is Ferenc Hercher, talking to Ferenc about his new book, Art and Politics and Roger Scruton's Conservative Philosophy. Ferenc is a very widely published author, working in the field of philosophy, but also history, and published poet. He has several academic positions in Budapest. He's a leading scholar on the subject we're talking about today, the legacy and significance of the ideas of Roger Scruton and it's just a delight to have him on the programme today. Ferenc, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Now, Ferenc, as I said in the introduction, you've written a great deal of material over the last number of years. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, the breadth of your interests and perhaps fundamentally how you came to have this interest in Roger Scruton himself?
1: Yes, uh, Crawford. Uh, So uh, to to summarize my my development uh, as as a um, a thinker and um, uh, as a researcher, I uh, basically was uh, uh, educated in uh, literature first, in Hungarian and English literature. And I also... uh, took a minor in statics, the philosophy of art. It's possible in Budapest to study that discipline within philosophy. So that was my minor. And then I went to study in Oxford as a visiting graduate, where I studied the history of political thought. And actually that became one of my most important field of research but I also uh, had a a master's degree in legal theory, uh, which uh, I studied in Brussels and Leuven in in Belgium. So I also uh, taught at uh, the law faculty of my university, but my major one was uh, uh, the uh, philosophy of arts or aesthetics, uh, which I taught for 24 years at the Catholic university in Hungary. That was uh, changed when I changed position uh, for my present one. I'm uh, the director of the Institute of uh, Politics and Government at the University of Public Service in Budapest. So my research area now is the history of political thought and political philosophy with a special interest in conservatism and liberalism. Fascinating, Ferenc, and thank you.
0: How did you come to have an interest in Roger Scruton himself?
1: Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I studied uh, in Oxford, at Oriel College, Oxford, and that's where and, and my, my background in uh, English literature and uh, English uh, culture, as such, uh, opened me up uh, towards um, uh, British uh, culture generally. And within that, uh, uh, I worked on uh, Edmund Burke and uh, the Scottish Enlightenment, in fact. So that gave me a background in, in political philosophy. And when I look, and, and of course uh, both um, Burke and some of the Scots, uh, uh, they were interested in um, uh, what came to be called conservatism. It was not called conservatism in those days because ideologies were just in the process of uh, uh, getting uh, born. But uh, but uh, their uh, interest in in politics was uh, um, uh, connected to issues that come up. Uh, in uh, in conservatism, like Burke's criticism of the French Revolution, or David Hume's uh, analysis of um, English history and uh, his uh, Tory sympathies, which uh, he did not uh, conceal, or Adam Smith's interest in um, moral sentiments and sympathy as uh, the foundational elements of human nature, these are uh, important uh, contributions uh, to what came to be called uh, the history of conservative political thought. And that's uh, what I came to study. Uh, and, uh, and Roger was perhaps uh, the only person who actually um, uh, practiced that uh, on a, a scale that, that made him uh, uh, you know, generally known around the Western world. And uh, in this way, he became the representative of uh, conservatism. So I couldn't avoid uh, to to deal with him. But uh, fortunately, I had the the privilege to to get acquainted with him uh, rather early, in the early 90s. I uh, I finished my university studies at the end of the 80s, so I was still uh, a young researcher. And um, uh, I had a research uh, fellowship, a junior um, a fellowship at uh, Collegium Budapest, uh, which was then uh, established. And uh, they had a conference uh, uh, where some big shots uh, came like uh, like uh, John Elster and also Roger Scruton. He was the only one who had a um, um, conservative background and, and, and attitude towards uh, politics. So uh, he was uh, quite interesting for me, although... I also studied the history of liberalism, and uh, I, I uh, published on that as well. Uh, meaning by that, classical liberalism and the history of classical liberalism in the 18th and 19th century British context. So uh, that's that's my background uh, uh, to it, and and the reason why he came uh, uh, even more important was this: uh, I published uh, a book on conservatism itself uh, in. Uh, uh, when was that, in 2020, and that uh, was a, a book entitled uh, Political Philosophy of Conservatism, Prudence, Moderation and Tradition. And uh, I thought that uh, uh, this is, uh, uh, of course, uh, the Burkean tradition and the Aristotelian tradition, and therefore it might interest uh, uh, Scruton. Uh, and uh, due to the fact that we uh, participated at um, uh, academic events uh, uh, on a regular basis, because there are some um, uh, um, 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 possibilities in Europe by now to convene with, with uh, uh, researchers uh, who are interested in, in that topic on a regular basis, and, uh, and we met with him uh, uh, so. And uh, uh, on one of these meetings, which uh, happened to uh, take place in in Warsaw, at uh, the University of Warsaw, he and me also uh, gave a talk on aesthetics. He first and I responded to it and and added uh, my own points of view. And... uh, In fact, that's because uh, both of us uh, were interested in the same things, i.e. politics, and within that um, the conservative uh, perspective, but also in art and the theory of art. And add to that a third dimension, which is the connection between the two, politics uh, and the reflections on politics and the connection um, uh, of it uh, to uh, philosophy of art and aesthetics. So I uh, really uh, thought that he would be interested in, in, in my book, but unfortunately, in that uh, um, uh, very year, he died. And so I made a uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a decision uh, and I promised myself that I should uh, uh, have a, a book-length project on, on uh, Roger's uh, uh, specific uh, contribution to uh, this uh, connection between art and politics and um, uh, my publisher um, uh, Palgrave Macmillan was interested in that project so they made me uh, 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 made, made it possible for me to to write it and publish it with them, and that's how art and politics in Roger Scruton's conservative philosophy came out in two thousand twenty three. Well, uh, late two thousand twenty two, but with uh, with this uh, date.
0: Very good, t- uh, Ferenc. <clears throat> that's that, that's fascinating. Um, this is a big book, isn't it? It's almost four hundred pages long, and it's one of the things I think that makes this book so helpful is that. It is, I think, the fullest, most complete account of Scruton's thought until now. And in the book, you work steadily through his publications. You give us a bibliography at the end, but you show in the chapters how you're working steadily through these publications, grouping them according to period or theme to describe their contents, which are incredibly varied in terms of discipline, and then to offer some comment about what connects these various writing projects. Um, and we'll, we'll try and talk together about some of those topics uh, as, as we go through. But first of all, Ferns, tell us a little bit more about Scruton himself. So you met him in the 1980s behind the so-called Iron Curtain,
1: no, it was early 90s, uh, but and, and by that time, the Iron Curtain was not uh, standing anymore. But uh, you are right that he came to, actually to, to Central Europe very early, in the 70s, and he took part in what was called in those days underground uh, university courses, uh, which is a strange uh, institution. It, it's an informal one, and in fact, it was quite a risky one. Uh, so, Roger, uh, uh, who was interested in political philosophy, was also interested in political practice. And that's a crucial aspect, I think, uh, of his, uh, uh, to, to understand the, the phenomenon uh, called Roger Scruton, because it's not uh, simply uh, an author of books and texts and journals, articles or whatever, and an editor of uh, the journal Salisbury Review, but uh, he was also a very Practical minded person, and uh, he took part in this uh, uh, well underground uh, um, movement uh, against communism as such, uh, but uh, most importantly, against uh, um, uh, the, the, the uh, censure in uh, communist countries of um, basic literature and uh, basic tuition in, in um, uh, classical European Western political thought. So that's why he uh, came to, to Central Europe. And in a way, he remained um, quite influenced by, by Central European ideas and culture generally. Uh, in fact, he learned Czech. Uh, and he, was, uh, uh, he kept an eye on, on what happened here, both politically, but also culturally. And in a way, he uh, uh, educated himself in a a, uh, very uh, singular way in Central European thought as well. So uh, he became a a Central European author himself, very interestingly, while remaining or becoming even more uh, British and later an English uh, conservative. But generally speaking, he was a Cambridge-educated philosopher. Uh, His main uh, focus uh, in his studies, in his PhD, was aesthetics the philosophy of art. His um, uh, thesis in, in, in uh, um, uh, that uh, discipline was uh, on art and imagination in uh, uh, aesthetics. Uh, but due to the fact that uh, his uh, first wife was uh, French and uh, they spent some uh, time in, in uh, France and uh, he was uh, in Paris during the time of the sixty eight uh, uh, Demonstrations and, and Student Revolution, he became interested in politics, uh, and that's when he turned towards uh, conservatism, and uh, that's uh, why he published his uh, um, uh, scandalous book, um, "The Meaning of Conservatism." Uh, I mean by that term that it caused real scandal because uh, in the seventies, uh, uh, after the um, you know the the, the um, uh, intellectual movements of uh, '68, it was. Uh, kind of a countercultural act to publish that book. And in fact, uh, he lost his job uh, partly because of, of, uh, of that scandal that was caused by his book on meaning of um, conservatism. But he, he, he knew that uh, you have to pay uh, uh, the price if you uh, want to live along your principles and want to uh, publish what you think is true. And, uh, and he, he believed in, in these basic principles uh, of conservatism, and also he tried to establish uh, the, the right philosophical principles upon which uh, such a, um, a political stance uh, can be uh, established. And beside this, he kept his interest in arts, and in particular in music, as you mentioned, uh, for example, in Wagner, but uh, also in architecture. And these are two uh, forms of um, art which are practiced uh, publicly. So that invited him to see the connections uh, between these forms of art and uh, their public perception and their political relevance or significance. Uh, Because uh, if something is um, practiced together in community, it means uh, in the traditional sense, these might be politically interesting issues, and that's how these two uh, major interests of him um, developed during the years of his uh, academic career, uh, during which he published more than 50 books and uh, hundreds of uh, journal articles, edited a journal for uh, more than 10 years. So uh, uh, he was the person who worked most uh, uh, of all my acquaintances, uh, including myself. <laughs> That's
0: fascinating, friends So... Scruton grows up as a philosopher at Cambridge, strongly focused in aesthetics, trains also in law, becomes a barrister at law, always has this interest in Art, architecture.
1: Mind you Crawford that uh, his interest in the law or his education was not a university education it was at the inns of court, uh, the traditional um, English uh, uh, institutions uh, to study the law so that was very important for him because that uh, introduced him uh, to legal practice and the way that uh, legal practitioners actually think about their subject, which will be crucial for his political philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I was just thinking,
0: Ferenc, really, that the, the the breadth of his own background matches in many ways the breadth of your own background as an author. And and what you do in this book, you you describe his philosophy. That that's the the title, isn't it? Art and Politics and Roger Scruton's Conservative Philosophy. But what we have in this book is an incredibly broad disciplinary field that includes art, architecture, music, lots of Wagner, as you mentioned, literature, literary criticism, as well as the more high analytical philosophical categories that we might perhaps um, carelessly associate with that disciplinary theme. Um, What does this disciplinary breadth tell us about Scruton's idea of what philosophy
1: is? Well, it's a very good question because uh, usually we associate with with uh, scientists in general or academics uh, generally with uh, with uh, a minor um, or very constrained field of uh, interest uh, where they deeply we, 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 they get deeply involved in it, they dig deep into it, but uh, would be you know afraid to talk about things outside of that realm. He was a, a different kind of uh, uh, scholar because uh, what he was interested in was the the human condition, I would say. Uh, What is uh, it like to be a human being? That's that's his major interest. It's an existential anxiety, I would say. Uh, And, of course, uh, he was struggling with the things that we all uh, are struggling, if we are human beings and we reflect on what we are. And therefore, he tried to address that issue. And if you want to address um, the human condition, what you have to reconstruct is what the Germans call the Lebenswelt, the world of your life. And that uh, world includes all these elements, the the, the practical uh, 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 experiences that you get, uh, uh, and and the the high moments of your life uh, are connected with these different activities you participate in political movements or get uh, afraid of them. You participate uh, in art. Uh, he was actually a, a musician and uh, a performing musician, as uh, one could say, but also uh, the, the uh, author of uh, the two operas. Uh, but uh, he also talked about uh, music, the appreciation of music, which we all uh, can uh, uh, get an experience of so and 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 and, and all the others like uh, he published a huge volume on sexual desire uh, erotic love what it means in our life then he dealt with uh, his con- uh, with his relationship uh, with his father uh, and uh, in that way the family relationships uh, are how uh, our life is uh, conditioned by our environment and how uh, our Parents and other family members uh, uh, determine uh, or or at least have an influence on our life. So, these are the things that will determine uh, his uh, answer to the question what it means to be a human being. And uh, a further point, which goes back actually to the uh, ancients, the ancient Greeks in particular, but also to Cicero in in Rome, is the, the relationship of the philosopher's ideas and his life. Because if you are interested in the question of uh, what human life means, then you uh, have a very particular example in front of you, which is your own life. So you are interested in that, and, well, uh, you are interested in something that you uh, are in the process of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, uh, Developing or 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 uh, uh, transforming uh, during your life, you change a lot, and part of that change is because of you yourself, your own will, your own determination, your own character formation. So, in that sense, he was interested in this dialogue of the philosopher's uh, mind of the philosophical reflection and uh, on the particular life the philosopher lives. And this way, this interconnection between what uh, uh, is called in in philosophy the vita activa, the active life, and the vita contemplativa, the reflective life came together in his life. Uh, That's what makes him exceptional, I would say, among uh, uh, philosophers. Can we
0: identify the foundations of his philosophical thinking? And can we see those foundations changing over time or developing or evolving?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you want to um, characterize him uh, shortly, then you can say that, first of all, he is an analytical philosopher. His primary education is in analytical philosophy. and That's because he was uh, educated in one of the best uh, analytical centers of the day, uh, uh particularly after Wittgenstein, which is Cambridge. Uh, On the other hand, uh, he early on uh, got interested in uh, in art and the theory of art, and there uh, his own college, uh, uh, Peterhouse, uh, had a particular um, uh, influence on him. And uh, among those who were uh, important in that that respect, David Watkin is important, an art historian of classical uh, architecture. So that's, that's part of uh, his background. But uh, uh, as I mentioned, he got interested in Central and Eastern Europe, and in particular in uh, uh, Central European thought. Uh, he learned uh, German at the grammar school. He, he uh, attended not a public school, because he comes from a, a lower middle class uh, background, but uh, he, was, uh, he was educated in, in German. And so he read um, uh, German philosophy and continental philosophy in general. And he got uh, fascinated by it. And that's, again, something which makes him special because most of um, the contemporaries were either continental or uh, analytical, British uh, or American analytical philosophers. And he was both. So in a way, uh, he remained the the analytical philosopher with his uh, very technical Uh, uh, language and and, uh, um, uh, tradition, but uh, he got uh, fascinated by the ideas of the uh, German classical idealist, in particular of uh, Immanuel Kant, uh, who lived at the end of the 18th century, and by by, uh, Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, who uh, was a a follower and a critic of Kant in the early uh, 19th century. German philosophy and Kantianism and uh, analytical philosophy, uh, uh, as well as the art theory of um, classical architecture. These are some of the major influences on him. But later on, uh, because you also asked me about the development of his uh, thought and the changes, I think that the main uh, 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 impetus is his uh, his turn towards uh, metaphysics. uh, And that's partly because of his Uh, experiences in in, uh, Central Europe. One uh, can uh, mention the name of this uh, 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 philosopher whom he met uh, 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 in Czechoslovakia, at least uh, the works of whom uh, uh, he met, and that's um, Jan Patochka. And uh, Patochka was uh, a student of Heidegger, but a critic of him as well. And uh, through Patochka, He got acquainted with some of the metaphysical questions of uh, continental philosophy. And and actually, well, of course, he knew about all that, but he was uh, uh, cautious uh, to discuss it earlier. But at the uh, end of his life, in the the last uh, decade of his life, uh, what he uh, uh, had to realize is that for a full life to live, you need to uh, confront the, the question, what comes after that uh, life? And uh, of, of course, uh, religion has a specific answer to that. But more than that, uh, and, and of course, uh, believers uh, who belong to one of or the other of the religions would follow those teachings uh, and would uh, answer that question along those lines. But he, as a philosopher, wanted to see the theoretical uh, 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 basic roots or foundations of those ideas. Uh, And therefore, he turned towards uh, metaphysics in in two uh, lecture series that he gave in the early 2010s were published in two volumes, two uh, very uh, small or short volumes, one entitled The Face of God, uh, the other one entitled uh, The Soul of the World, and in these works, he addresses the metaphysical questions, which was very difficult to do for an analytical philosopher. And that's why he was rather cautious about uh, uh, addressing uh, metaphysical or, or uh, 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 transcendental problems in, in, in his uh, earlier work. But uh, when you grow old and get closer to the end of, of, of your life, you try to make sense of its meaning. What, ex- what exactly is that gives meaning to that life? And and you cannot really answer that question without addressing the final metaphysical questions. Why are we here on the earth? And and who uh, sent us, who made it possible for us? And, and what comes after uh, we uh, leave this uh, world? And where he arrives in those works is a kind of cautious uh, 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 agreement with some of the the basic claims of uh, uh, Christianity while not becoming yet a uh, fully-fledged Christian believer. He became a practitioner of his religion, which was Anglicanism. That was what he was uh, um, uh, raised in but then he became a a uh, non-practicing one. And then he returned at the end of his life to Anglicanism as a practice. He had serious problems uh, philosophically to address the issue of an afterlife. In other words, he had serious doubts about uh, those uh, propositions. But he tried to show how art can in fact answer some of those uh, questions in its own way uh, through um, uh, the artistic quality of the works of art. Artists are able to address this problem that philosophers are unable to solve or answer uh, in a precise uh, conceptual language. And that's why in the, in the late work, uh, the connection between politics and art that I described in his earlier work, Uh, uh, turns into a discussion of the uh, connection between art and religion. So, Ferenc,
0: as you have read your way again through the Scruton corpus to write this book, and as you've seen European politics change over the last couple of years, in some ways to take account of some of the arguments that Scruton makes, what do you think his legacy will be?
1: Well, uh, by now uh, he, after a few years of his life, he is—he uh, seems to turn into an iconic free figure, and that's to say something uh, uh, strong because uh, philosophers usually will not become, uh, you know public figures there are uh, examples of that in the 20th century on the left but not uh, really on the right uh, among conservatives uh, uh, it's it's very rare and the reason for that that he can uh, make uh, an iconic figure is i think that uh, he proposes uh, a sort of uh, politics which is actually open for not only conservatives but also for the general public because he addresses uh, general questions of, of the human condition, that we need to belong. That's, that's his uh, first proposition. We are uh, people who need the others. Uh, we are, in this uh, uh, sense, um, uh, intentional. We uh, have got a necessity to address the others in order to make sense of our own self. And uh, and in this respect, uh, his uh, legacy is uh, uh, quite easily uh, available for non, uh, uh, non-conservatives and even for uh, those who are not educated in philosophy. His language is um, open to the general reader and um, what he proposes is a kind of... A, Combination of some of uh, uh, actually of uh, of the uh, uh, ideas of the left. So in a sense, he becomes what uh, in Britain is called blue labor, and that's because uh, uh, his father, who uh, had a very great impact on him, uh, was uh, a, a labor uh, during his life, and they had uh, serious uh, debates in in his life. Uh, but uh, when uh, in his later life, he reflected on their relationships. He saw that his father was also uh, someone who had a, a fascination by the uh, English countryside and uh, a real uh, an, uh, Englishman in the proper sense of the word, I, someone who is attached uh, to his uh, um, uh, nation. And, and Roger uh, proposes that sort of language to talk about our belonging to our local community to uh, follow the rules, uh, the customs and the habits of of, um, our surroundings or of our environment, to be open in discussion with others, but uh, to be uh, proud of the achievements of uh, our forerunners. These are the basic uh, ideas, and I think that it's it's not only uh, an answer to uh, the question who we are as human beings, but it's also a proposal for politics in an age of uh, cultural wars, which might be considered uh, for, for anyone uh, who is trying to make sense uh, of the world in a reasonable manner. Uh, and while it is a very uh, uh, articulate conservative position, as I mentioned, it has got a dimension um, with which uh, anyone uh, uh, who is interested uh, uh, in uh, politics and uh, and uh, the environment uh, uh, would uh, find something uh, uh, for himself or herself to consider. Wonderful.
0: Yes, of, of course, that, that question, of where is home, where do we belong? is a question that's as old as the book of Genesis itself, isn't it? It's one of the most elemental questions uh, that we can ask. Ference, it's been wonderful to talk to you today about this great new book, Art and Politics and Roger Scruton's Conservative Philosophy, just published by Palgrave Macmillan in their series, Palgrave Studies in Classical Liberalism. It's a big book. It's a very comprehensive account of Scruton's ideas. It's beautifully written, beautifully structured, Um, very persuasively put together, and I I really recommend it if anyone is interested in finding out more about this most fascinating of modern conservative thinkers, Roger Scruton. Ferenc, we've taken up a lot of your time today, but before we wind up, could you tell us a little bit about what you're working on at the moment?
1: Yes, uh, I'm happy to do so. My research is now again a book uh, contract, uh, again with Palgrave Macmillan, And this is going to be a philosophy of civility. The the concept of civility, I think, uh, overarches uh, the territories that we were talking about today, which is uh, art and politics. Uh, I think uh, civil manners, uh, uh, i.e. the way of life and uh, thought of uh, um, uh, the citizen, uh, is something that is uh, crucial in um, the Western tradition and something that needs to be addressed in in present-day worries about uh, about, um, generational conflicts, about uh, uh, culture war issues. Uh, Because I think that we need to um, find the the minimum grounds uh, for discussing uh, these uh, um, um, very hot issues. And also, this uh, idea of um, uh, civility is uh, about uh, what exactly is that uh, uh, makes our life uh, as human beings full. And in that sense, it's also connected to those metaphysical questions. It's not simply about manners and uh, manières. Um, Civility is uh, to find your place in uh, your environment, and in an Aristotelian sense, That is what uh, your uh, human flourishing depends on. And uh, human flourishing is already uh, a connection to the final metaphysical questions. Well, that sounds wonderful. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to speak to you again about that project when it appears.
0: That would be great. Well, Ferenc Mertz, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us today about it. Thank you, Crawford,
1: for having me. And thank you for the
0: audience to listen to it. And thank you to everyone else for listening in today. I'll see you next time on the New Books Network podcast.